Good. Let's stand together one more time. We're going to hold that Bible up and make a confession together. Lift the Bible up in there and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I've got an open mind and a teachable spirit. And from this moment forward, I will never be the same. Say, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him one more praise today. He's worth it. Amen. Amen. Again, we're, we're so happy that you're here today. It's on a snow day. I can't believe that. Oh, man. I think we ought to spend the next uh, 40 days fasting and praying over that. And just get that. You know, you can snow all it wants to during the week. Right, right school children? You know, you know, I'm in agreement with the school kids. Now, on the weekend, it needs to be dry roads. Because uh, most believers are sissies, and they won't drive in it. And so, uh, but you guys, you guys. Now, this is the A-team right here. Come on. Amen. I said this is the A-team right here, baby. Amen. You, you know, the guys going on the field today to play that Super Bowl game, they are A-level players. You, you know, they rank players, but, you know, in categories, in A, B, C. But the, by the time you make it onto a Super Bowl team, you're an A-level player. And one of the things that's really, that's really obvious about an A-level player is that they have the ability to play through pain. You know, the guys going on the field today, some of them got broken collarbones and dislocated shoulders and their fingers are all taped back on. And, and you know, they're, they're, they're not in the, in the best shape they've ever been in. Come on, this is, a, this is a reality. They are not in the best shape they've ever been in, but they are going down there, you know, to, to do warfare for a ring. Right? For a ring and about 200,000 piece. But, uh, you know, uh, they, are, they, are, they are going to that field. It's crazy to think that there's going to be 175,000 fans in desperate need of exercise watching 22 men in desperate need of rest kill each other on the field. And, uh, that, but that's what makes them an A-level player. You, you know, what makes us A-level players is we're not going to let snow stop us. Right? Well, I've had a bad week. Well, we're going to just press through anyways. Right? I've been disappointed or I've been let down. Right? Well, join the club. We're still going though. Right? We're A-level players. Them guys on the field are hurting units. Some of you guys, you know, you're hurting unit. But you're here and you're in the house of God. And I believe that God is going to bless you more than you know. Amen. Look, look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Get ready. Amen. You, you realize that, that uh, what God's doing in your life what, what, he's, what he's doing right now, this morning, is preparing you for where he's taking you. And a lot of us, we spend so much of our life and so much of our time and effort and energy focusing on what, what we've been through or, or where we've been. But God is taking you to a, to a new, new thing, to a new place. And, uh, you, you know, he, he's not so focused on where you've been. He knows where you've been, trust me. He sees what has occurred. He, he recognizes that, but, but he's, he's not all about the past. He's really all about your future. Amen? There, there, are, there are times when we are so paralyzed by, by what has occurred that we forget to move into what is occurring. Amen? And don't let the children have in church distract you. Realize that we want our kids to ex experience the power of God. Amen? Amen? But what we ought to do right now is shout back at them. See, they're over there shouting. They're having a great time. I think we ought to. Let's give God a praise and let them hear that we're having church too. Ready? Three. One, two, three. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. 
There we go. All right. God's taking you somewhere. Look at 1 Kings 22, 48. We'll put it on the screen for you. 1 Kings twenty two forty eight 48 says, Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they went not, for the ships were broken to Ejah and Geber. And we're going to leave that up for a couple of minutes because we're going to tear that up for a second. Uh, realize that what we've been talking about being game ready, game ready, re- ready to take the field, ready to, to get the victory, ready to demonstrate our authority, ready to rule and reign. You, you realize that God has created you for victory. I said, God has created you for victory. Right there, you'd say, that's me. Right? Uh, you know, uh, a lot of us, we've got to launch out towards victory. Jehoshaphat was the king. The king created vessels. Our king has created us vessels for the gold. What's golden is connecting to the destiny, the purpose that you were created for. What's golden is, is to accomplish the very plan of God, to, to know what it is, to have the life that Jesus came that you might have. A lot of us think Jesus came to forgive us. Now, that was part of it, but he, it wasn't forgiveness. Man, he, John 10.10, 10, I have come that you might have life, and life so abundant that it's just everywhere all over you. That every time you take a step, life squirts out from underneath your feet. Everything you touch, life gets on it, right? It, it, you know, he said the thief came but to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have and enjoy a supernatural over flowing, abundant, over-the-top, out-of-control life. And you know what's sad is many of us have, have, have prayed a prayer, we have confessed our sin, but we've never connected to the life that God's called us to have. And we're not excited about life. We, we, we are hoping that, you know, that stuff will just calm down, that the wind will stop blowing, that the snow will stop falling, that we can just, just coast through life and everything will be okay. Just, you know, just let me make it through another day. Help me make it through the night. You know, and, and that's kind of our mentality. Why? Well, because we've been knocked down a few times. We've been disappointed a couple of times. We, we've, been, uh, you know, we, we've been stepped on once or twice. We've been used and abused. And, 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 and you know, after a while, I kind of get tired of that because we don't see the, the life. You know, we, we, we just never connected to the real abundant life that God's talking about. Well, you got an enemy that is very serious about doing everything he can to stop you from ever experiencing that kind of life. Because if you ever tap in to the life that Jesus came to bring to you, man, I'll tell you what, not only are you going to have some fun, but you're going to be a threat to the powers of darkness. Everybody around you, you ain't going to have to go around preaching because everybody around you is going to realize something has just occurred inside of you. You mean I'll never have no, no more trouble? No, you'll have tons more trouble. But you had that stupid grin on your face as you go through it. You, you, know, you, know, you might even get the smile knocked off your face, but nothing will be able to rip the joy that's rooted in your heart. Nothing. Amen. People will do you wrong and you'll know they're wrong and you won't be able to help it. You won't care. Because you know God's doing you right. See, that's the life. You got an enemy that's trying to keep you. You realize how golden it would be to get up every morning and have life. I mean, life, not, not existence, not inhaling and exhaling, but, but an electricity, uh, uh, an infusement going through you. Every time, every time you leave the house, there, there's an anticipation of good things coming today. I mean, you, you, you got news and it isn't good. 
And, but your mind, instead of going, oh, it, it, your mind goes, I wonder how God's going to use this. How's he going to turn this? The book says that all things work together for good for those that love God and who are called according to his good purpose. I love God. I'm called to his purpose. God's going to use this for good. I wonder how he's going to do that. And it don't mean that we're going to enjoy every step of the journey. Trust me, God is, uh, God is God. My thoughts are not your thoughts. That's what he said. And he was talking to us. Right? My ways aren't your ways. My ways are higher. Right? So you're going to have to learn a new way to live. You're going to have to learn a new way to think. Matter of fact, he said to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Right? To be carnally minded, to be, to be carnally minded is death. Death is not, not breathing. Death is separated. Remember the prodigal son who took his inheritance, went out, squandered it, came back to his right mind, headed back home. His father, seeing him afar off, said, give me a ring, give me a coat, kill the fatted calf. This my son who was dead is alive again. Well, obviously he hadn't been raised from the dead. No, he had been separated from his father and now he's being reconnected. So to be carnally minded is going to separate you from not only from your father, but from the plan that he has for your life, right? right? It, see, uh, God's trying to get you somewhere. He's trying to pull you through whatever it is you're standing in. He's trying to take you to a final outcome that's better than your current condition. And you have an enemy that's trying to, to get you so fixated on where you're at that you forget where you're going. That if you, that, you know, if you just look around and you'll see the, the problems and the turmoil and the, and the struggle and, and, and the issues, you, you won't want to go any farther because you're under the impression that what lies ahead is a repeat of what I've just been through. Don't shout me down right now. See, many of us are so intimidated by the future because we do not want to repeat our past. Well, that's why we've got to change or renew our mind. That's why we've got to stop living a carnally-minded life because we've been separated from the promise of God. The fact is, is that not every thought you have is God-inspired. So now I've got to get to work. And I Marty just looked around and said, what? <laughs> Revelation for you, bishop. Not, not, you know. <laughs> a lot of us, like Marty, have never stopped long enough to consider. Maybe some of the maybe some of the thoughts going through my mind are wrong. Maybe the way I see it isn't correct. Maybe the way I see it isn't correct. You know, if you're thinking wrong, you're going to be seeing wrong. If you're seeing wrong, you're going to be living wrong. And when you're living wrong, isn't it funny that the first thing you do is try to find somebody to blame? It's, 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 it's easy to find people to blame because people are everywhere. And some of them aren't real bright. You can blame them. They don't even know it. And they do enough stuff that's just stupid that you can put this on them too and everybody just accepts it. But the fact is, is that where you are in your life is the direct result of the decisions and the choices that you've made. So if something ain't going well in your world, you don't need to look outside. You need to look inside. You need to realize, okay, things aren't going well. I probably have been misled by my own thoughts. I've deceived myself. Isn't that what James said? Be a hearer of the word or a doer of the word, not a hearer only, because if you're a hearer only, you deceive yourself. What does that mean? That means you go through life wrong, but you think you're right. Well, I go to church. That's the really, uh, the really kind of sad part is that you're under the impression that going to church makes your wrong 
right. You still got to change. You know the hardest people to reach? People who've been in church all their life. Man, you know, I, I would ask you to raise your hand if you've been in church more than 10 years, but it would probably scare me, so don't do it. <laughs> Listen to the, How many of you know the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11? Have you ever heard that one before? <laughs> About every week for the last three years. Uh, I know the thoughts, the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future, plans to prosper you, not harm you. Yeah, how many of you realize God's for you, not against you? God's plan, God's plan is for your best. And it's to give you a hope and a future, a hope of a future. See, what the enemy's trying to rob from you is the hope of a future. He's trying to get you to, to look at where you're at and where you've been and, and just decide that, you know what, the safest thing to do here is not move. I, I should just hang out where I'm at and not move because, you know, even though it's tough, we are still alive. Let's just camp here and build a church. Let's just hang out right here, man. We like each other and, you know, new people can come and if they ever make it up as far as we are, then they can stay here. No, God wants to take you to the top of the mountain. Man, all these things that, 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 that you got on your mind, they, they might not even be evil. They might be fine, but it's not the, see, where we are is not the end of where God's taken us. He's taken us someplace, spe- the hope of a future. Everybody say future. L- listen to this, verse 12, Jeremiah 29, 12. Then... Everybody say, then. then. Well, when? In my future. Then you call me, you'll go and pray, and I will hear you. And you're going to seek me, and you're going to find me. Where are you going to find God? In your future. You're going to find God what's up ahead, not what's behind. See, here's why the enemy's trying so desperately to keep you looking behind. Because God ain't really back there. So if he can keep you looking where you're at or where you've been, he can keep your eyes off of God. Because God ain't back there. God's up there in then. You've got to keep moving. You've got to keep stretching. You've got to keep pressing. You've got to keep going. Just one more step. I can't take it. Yes, I can. You've got to push yourself to go to another place. You've got to be an A-level player. You got to play through that pain. You got to say, you know what? Nah, oh man, there's so many reasons to stay where I am. I could justify that decision, but I hear a call from God Himself saying, come on, let's go a little farther. And you got to press in there a little bit more. You got to press in there a little bit more. Jehoshaphat made vessels to go get the gold, but they didn't go because they were broken at Ejon Geber. Remember, Ejon Geber means backbone. They, they were broken in the backbone. They didn't have the backbone to face the storm. And I mean, you realize that there's always a storm trying to separate you from the gold that God has created you to carry. Man, it, it, it gets right down to, to every realm of your life. Your enemy, he wants your future. He wants your family. He wants your faith. Your future is not years from now. It's minutes from now. He wants your family. Why do you think the enemy is, is, is hitting families so hard? Because there's power there. And there's future there. Amen. See, if he can convince you that there's not a future, then guess what? That thing dies. Amen. Now, come on, get real for just a minute. Um, if you've been divorced or you're in the middle of a thing, don't get under condemnation. Just listen to what I'm saying. I just need to make this point. In a, in a relationship where we no longer see future, what happens? It dies. Well, don't you get it? That's what the enemy's trying to do. Now, there are some relationships, and, and you might get, you know, you, you know moments of uh, study here to maybe get over what I'm going to say next. I think there's some relationships that need to die because you're just killing each other anyways. 
So, you know, uh, I'm not here today to talk about relational revival. I, I'm here to talk about the future that God has for you. But you got to realize that anytime there's two people involved in a relationship and they no longer see a future, that thing is over. Right? That thing is Well, that's what the enemy's trying to do with you and God. If, if you don't see the future, then your growth with God is over. You just be a churchgoer. You, you, you just be a, a nice Christian. You just buy T-shirts and bumper stickers. You know, when they, when they, you, even, you even get yourself to the point when they, when they run you off the road in traffic, you don't flip them off except on the inside. Come on. You, you know, you all talking about the guy that's got his hand out the window. Yours is up in your heart. Yeah, in the spirit realm, I've seen some of you guys do that in church. Get all upset, and and that's coming out of you. Well, is, man, we're so separated from the life God's called us to give. Why? Because we don't see a future. Because we don't see a future. Why? Because we're hurting. We 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 get up on you know on, on Sunday morning and we take a shower and comb our hair and brush our teeth. I pray to God, that's what we do. We get ourselves all ready and we go out and we and we play nice people, but inside. We're crushed and we're wounded and we're broken and we're bleeding, and, but we don't want to tell anybody, especially in faith circles, because, you know, by faith, we've got we to walk by faith and can't let anybody know that I'm limping over here. But pain has a tendency to stop you in your tracks and to convince you you don't need to go there. But see, an A-level player goes a little bit deeper and he finally reaches a point where pain no longer dictates his decisions. Purpose does. You know... Three weeks ago tomorrow, Shelby and I took the boys. We went to the mountain. We went snowboarding. I fell down and bruised my tailbone. Stopped me in my tracks. Okay? It, it, it hurts now. Okay? It, it hurts. It hurts to sit on the chair. I'm glad I'm standing and preaching today. It hurts to sit on the chair. I don't know how long is it going to hurt. I don't know. It doesn't make any difference. But someday it's going to not be so bad, and I'm going back to the mountain. I'm strapping back on that board, and I'm going to beat my three sons down the hill. And I plan to do that in an upright position. <laughs> but I'll take it any way I can get it. <laughs> See, a lot, of, a lot of people I talk to say, yeah, you know what? I, I took up snowboarding too. We tried that. We tried skiing. But we fell. We bruised ourselves. And so you know what we do now? We drink coffee in the lodge. And we justify that. And we say, because we're smart. No, you're a sissy. You are scared to death to get back out on the hill. Right? And I don't blame you. But I'm going to break through my pain and I'm going to snowboard with my sons. Why? Because I can. Now here's the deal. Many of us in life have gone for a promise of God, but we've been bruised. And so we step back and we say, you know what? I don't really need that. So I just learned to live without it. I'll justify it and talk about my wisdom. Because I've been hurt by people. Really? Haven't we all? Well, I've been hurt so many times, it's difficult for me to trust. Really? That's shocking. But you're not supposed to trust people. You're supposed to trust God. Why? Well, because people are going to hurt you. They're going to let you down. I said, they're going to let you down. We're going to let you down. Let me just say it to you, to your face. 
the Garden Christian Assembly will let you down. You know, maybe you should forgive us now. Because it's going to happen. Right? So, someday you're going to say something to me and you're going to think, well, he was kind of curt when he responded. Yeah, I'm gonna, I probably will be. Why? You want to know why? Because i got some carnal stuff in me. I'm still there. Shelby's worked on it for years. She hasn't gotten rid of it yet. <laughs> somebody, somebody on the team is going to probably disappoint you or break your heart. or you know, they're, You're going to want to do something. They're going to tell you no. And, you know, that's just going to happen. But do you trust God enough to continue to do what He said anyways? You know, here's the fact is that when I do what He said, He produces what He promised every single time. The fact that you've been hurt, the fact that you've been wounded, the fact that you've been dropped on your head, you know, the, the reality is, is that has happened, but that can't separate you from the promise that God has for your life. Check this out. Uh, go to 2 Samuel 4, 4. We'll put this one up for you. 2 Samuel 4, 4. Just want to tell you a quick story. Jonathan, you remember who Jonathan, David, Jonathan, Jonathan, uh, you know, was the king's son. David and Jonathan are in a covenant. They're good friends. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was a cripple in his feet. He was five years old. Get this, five years old. When the news came out of Jezreel of the deaths of dad and grandpa, and the boy's nurse picked him up, and in, in her haste, it, you know, what, uh, we don't know exactly how it happened, but somehow she, it, trying to escape because they were coming to, to you know, to, to, against the city, you know, and the king and the, and the son, they're, they're gone. And she grabs up the baby and she's running. And somehow he fell and became lame. He was hurt in an accident. Didn't have the doctors in the hospitals we got today. They couldn't fix him. And at five years old, Mephibosheth is crippled. Five years old. He's crippled. Okay? It's a bad accident. Impacts the rest of his life. Let's jump ahead, 2 Samuel chapter 9. And, and, you know, later on today, go back and read this in chapter 9. David's sitting there and he's like, Who can I honor out of the house of, uh, house of Jonathan? He is in a covenant with Jonathan. He, he, things are going incredibly well in David's life. I mean, incredibly well. He's ruling and reigning, guys. He's got some stuff together. He's looking around. And he's like, man, I, I just want to do something for, because of my, my, my relationship with Jonathan. I'm missing Jonathan. And now remember, John's dad tried to kill Dave, but Dave's still in covenant with John. He's like, I, I need to do something for that family. Is there anybody left? And, and they said, you know, one of the servants is still in town. One of the guys, you know, one of the head guys from the family that served Saul and Jonathan, they're here. His name's Zeba. Go get Zeba. They bring Zeba in. And Zeba, is there anybody from Jonathan's house still around? He goes, yeah, there's, a, there's one. There's the crippled guy. And, and look at this. Uh, David says, bring him in here. He comes in. Obviously, he's nervous. David says, you don't have to be afraid. I'm, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to befriend you. And I'm going to feed you at my table the rest of your life. Okay? You, you with me? The king makes a promise. And he says, you know what? You don't have to be afraid. I'm going to honor you for your dad's sake. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to restore you. All the, get this. Everything that belonged uh, to Saul, I'm giving back to you. Guys, this ain't no small gesture. And you know the crew that worked for your, for your dad and for grandpa, they now work for you. Zeba, guess what? You're going to take care of this guy's stuff. You and your crew, you got a new job. You're going back to work. 
You're, you're going to farm that land. All the produce comes in. You, you're going to bring it right here. Mephibosheth is now large and in charge. Hello, somebody? And the cripple bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as me? This picture to me is, is so, so clear of so many people in the body of Christ. Been invited to the king's table as a king's kid. What, what has made you think of such a dead dog as me? I'm a dead dog. I got, I got bruises. I got wounds. I've got, uh, you, know, you, know where, you know where Mephibosheth lived? In a town called Lodabar. Which today we're going to call it Lower the Bar. Place of no expectation, place of no future, place of nothing to gain, nothing to live for, nothing to look forward to. He's a cripple. In the, trust me, in this day and age, that means he's a, he's a beggar. So you're just going through life. you got your hand out. You, you take what other people can't use anymore. You, you, you know, you, you'll, you'll, you'll just receive an offering from somebody. You, you're not contributing, really, in certain areas of your life. There's no contribution coming out of you because you, you're so needy yourself. Well, it's because you're crippled. Oh, you might not look crippled, but you got it in your head and in your spirit. You know, I'm a dead dog. Today, on our Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to defeat the dead dogs. We're going to rise up and be who God's called us to be. We're going to get the backbone to face the storm that's trying to separate us from the goal that we've been created to carry. We are not dead dogs. You, well, you don't understand. I'm hurting. Right. But you don't understand. It does not change the promise. Here's a kid that at five years old was crippled. Years later, the promise is still remembered, and he's put back in the place the king told him he'd be. Here's the deal, is that Christ, in Christ, you have been raised up to sit in heavenly places. And there's a repositioning that God is attempting to do with suffering humanity to get you out of the dirt and the mire of the low life and to elevate you to a high life that you've been called and created to live. And the only thing separating you from the high life that God wants you to have, it is not the devil, it is, it is not uh, uh, you know, your neighbor, it's not your boss, it's not the government. The only thing that is separating you from living the life that Jesus wants to connect you to is a dead dog mentality that thinks I'll just hang out at lower the bar and not expect too much. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, God's plan is to prosper me, not to harm me, to prosper me, to, to give me so much that I have more than I need. Why? Because he needs me to be a blessing. You've been blessed to be a blessing, right? God wants you to, to pour out. But then we, we make stupid statements like, well, you know, we, we don't need that. You know, there's other people in the world who are, who are more needy than we are, that are worse off than we are. How are you going to help them? How are you going to be a blessing? You, you know, how, how are you going to change the lives of people if, if you won't allow God to change your life? If you, you know, if you're going to accept salvation, you might as well accept the rest of his plan. The rest of his plan is to elevate you, to get you in a place where you're ruling and railing. You know what? If you won't train to reign, don't be fooled. You will be ruled. If you won't, if you won't rise up and, and, and crush depression, then depression's going to rule in your life. If, if you won't rise up and, and, and push, you know, unforgiveness out 
of the, uh, out of the way, then you are going to be ruled and reigned by unforgiveness. You can get lots of counseling, lots of prayer, lots of fasting, lots of offerings. Those things will help. But until you decide, no, 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 I'm going to push through the pain and I'm going to get to where God's called me to be. I might look crippled. I might live crippled. I might, you know, smell crippled. But I'm not going to be separated from the position that God said I'm supposed to be walking in. Now, I want to submit this thought to you, that if God's plan is to elevate you to a place where you rule and reign and you don't, then you're living outside of the will of God. And, and if you're living outside the will of God, in my opinion, you're in sin. That's a crazy response right there, wasn't it? Look at this. Who am I that you look upon such a dead dog as me? Look at verse 9. King called Zeba. said, I've given your master's Son, the grandson, all that belonged to Saul. You're going to till the land. You're going to serve him. You're going to bring in the produce that your master's heir may have food to eat. And Mephibosheth, he's going to eat at my table always. Everybody say always. 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 Look at verse 11. Ziba said to the king, we'll do according to all my lord the king commands. And Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Now, now, now picture this. Picture this in your mind just for a minute. He's at the table. He's usually the last one to the table. Well, he's crippled. Takes a while to get there. Prior to him coming in, think about it. Here, here's David at the table. Just picture this in your mind. David at the table. Here comes his daughter, Tamar. Beautiful. Beauty queen. Popular. Sought after. Got her act together. Pretty classy lady. Then it, and while after her comes uh, Absalom. He, he's, he's a wheeler dealer. He, he's, he's, uh, he you know, probably owns a string of uh, chariot dealerships. You know, he, he has, he's got some stuff going, okay? <laughs> after he's seated, in comes the other son, Solomon. He's going to be the smartest guy ever to walk the planet and the richest man quite a group to hang with, isn't it? Then here comes Mephibosheth. Man, not only is he crippled, nobody can hardly say his name. <laughs> I practiced all week long, Mephibosheth. I was going to have TJ stand here and every time I nodded, he was just going to say it. He would say it, no problem, Mephibosheth. He's pretty uncomfortable in that setting. Bringing his crippled self in there. Looking at all these pretty people. But see, what he couldn't see is that David, he was an adulterer. He didn't realize Tamar, she had her own disabilities. She had been raped by her brother. Had to sit at the table and eat with him. He didn't realize that Absalom was a ding-dong. Had his own struggles going on, personal war, all, you know, all kinds of junk he's trying to deal with. Didn't realize that Solomon's going to lose his mind. I mean, you know, that, that he was going to be so close to God and then be so far away. He didn't realize everybody at the table was crippled. See, you come in, you look around, you think everybody's looking pretty good in here. They got their act together. No, everybody in the room has their own crippledness. 
We've all fallen. We've all been dropped on our head. We've all gotten up, you know, at an early age and realized that, oh, my Lord, life isn't easy. We, we all are dealing with the same challenges. We just don't tell everybody. And so we're a little uncomfortable, but you can't let that stop you from pressing into what God promised you. And if you will get a mentality that says, I will not be separated from the promise of God, regardless of the pain, regardless of the disappointment, regardless of the struggle, regardless of the challenge, then you are going to have a collision with destiny and you're going to be positioned to rule and reign in the very exact place God said you would. And you're looking around thinking it's not possible. And that's the part God likes. If it was easy, any fool could do it. God's taking you into battles you couldn't possibly win. He's taking you into problems you couldn't possibly solve. Taking you into situations you couldn't possibly afford. Why? To show you that this is His plan, not yours. It ain't about you. This is about his purpose. About what he's doing on the face of the planet. Do you realize that today during the Super Bowl, at $100,000 a second, you can buy advertising? $100,000 a second? People make huge investments into something that means nothing, really. Just a few days, we won't even remember what the great commercial was. Next year, you'll have a hard time naming some of the things that are happening this year. That's just the way it is. Huge investments made into something that is not eternal. Don't you think it's time we invested a little something into something that is eternal? Don't you think it's time that you stood up and said, you know what, if the world's willing to pay $100,000 a second, maybe I should take... My time, give it to God. Say, you know what? I'm going to invest in, in, in you and in your purpose and in your plan. I'm, I'm going to take my life and, and make something happen with it. I'm going to refuse to be separated from your promise and from your purpose for me. And, and, and I'm going to give myself wholly to making a difference so that I can be in the very spot you've called and created me to be. I think what I'll do today is open the door in my world to God's real plan. But instead of justifying the lack of promise because of the presence of pain, I'll press through the pain and realize that part of God's plan is healing. Part of God's plan is restoration. Just like Mephibosheth coming to the table, David said, you know what, I'm going to restore everything that was taken from you. There's some things that have been ripped from your grip, and you know that it belongs to you, that it was God's promise. You know what, God, I, I really believe what God's saying to us today is, I'll give that back. But you're going to have to take a step. You're going to have to step through that pain. You're going to have to press through. You're going to have to, you're going to have to you know, just do one more play. You're going to have to trust to pass, make one more pass. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to get down and, and you know, uh, get ready because we, we still have to make it into the end zone. You can't just hang out here just because you showed up. Just because you showed up on Super Bowl Sunday doesn't mean you're going to get the ring. 
We know you're hurting. We know your collarbone's broken. Your ribs are bruised. Your, your legs are dislocated. Your fingers are taped on. We know that all the gear that you've got is, looks like you've been through a war. That's cool. We, we all are down there on the same field. We see it. But are you still willing to step out onto the plain surface and go one more time for the end zone? I think we ought to make a decision. We might be crippled, but we won't be defeated. We will not be defeated. Amen? Will you do me a favor? Will you just close your book? Bow your head. Let me pray for you. Team's coming back. We're going we're gonna to worship for just a minute before we take off today. But if you're here today, first let me ask you this. Life has wounded you, and you're not just separated from the promise. You're actually separated from God. You know what? I, I, 